the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. Oh I mean, of Ukraine. Oh boy. Iraq, too. Anyway. Uh, so close. So close, W. He is 75? Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Had no idea. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I must be really old, too. I'm so too. scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me. Jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, Columbus, Ohio's WGRN, in Palinville, New York on WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950 KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdant Square Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites. Blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me and everyone else in the world, from bradblog.com. Uh, thank you very much for joining us here. Um, I believe I believe it was the New York Times' Maggie Haberman, I know a favorite of Desi Doyen's, uh, who, uh, hi Des, hi. Who, who initially broke this story last night. But I'm going to crib mostly from Talking Points Memo's Christine Cabrera instead in sharing this story with you. Why? Why am I doing that? Well, let's just compare the headlines, shall we? New York Times, quote, Group seeks disbarment of Ted Cruz over efforts to overturn 2020 election. Compare that to TPM, whose headline reads, Crews targeted for possible disbarment for boosting election steal efforts in court. Aha. Uh -huh. Thank you, Christina Cabrera, for using normal human being words to explain what happened here. Yes, Donald Trump and his supporters, like Ted Cruz, did everything possible to try to steal the 2020 election, even though this program and Talking Points Memo seem to be the only media outlets either able or willing to use the actual accurate words to explain what happened to the American electorate. New York Times subheadline is, quote, a group trying to hold lawyers accountable for their efforts to keep Donald Trump in power after his election loss. In other countries, that would be called a coup. <laughs> Filed a complaint against the Republican senator with the Texas Bar Association. So in the headline, the subheadline, they just can't say it. And then the first paragraph describes how, quote, President Donald J. Trump tried to 
subvert the results of the 2020 election. That uh, The New York Times article never uses the word steal or theft as if it didn't happen. It was just uh, sub subverting, undermining, uh, an effort to keep him in power after losing the election. They had legitimate concerns. They just wanted to double check. Meanwhile, here's the much more accurate and useful lead from Christine Cabrera at TPM. Senator Ted Cruz is facing potential disbarment after throwing himself into ex-president Donald Trump's scheme to steal the 2020 election through bogus litigation. See, is that so difficult? Is it, is it even in any way inaccurate or, or something to describe <laughs> it that way in a way that, you know, is there some reason that would prevent the New York Times and AP and Washington Post and pretty much everyone, every other media outlet and, by the way, every Democratic official in the country from using the correct and accurate words to explain what happened here? Words and framing matter, at least if you want to actually help inform and educate the electorate, though it is not clear to me that that's what a lot of these media outlets wish to do. Um, you know, maybe uh, maybe it's just me. And TPM. Anyway, the 65 Project, a bipartisan group that aims to hold lawyers who helped Trump accountable for the attempted theft, filed a complaint to the state bar of Texas on Wednesday against Cruz. The group requested an investigation into Cruz for his work representing Trump and Pennsylvania Republicans, Pennsylvania Republicans, in two failed cases in front of the Supreme Court in December. Quote, Mr. Cruz played a leading role in the effort to overturn the 2020 elections, the complaint reads. And while the same can be said about several other elected officials, Mr. Cruz's involvement was manifestly different, they say. He chose to take on the role of lawyer and agreed to represent Mr. Trump and Pennsylvania Republicans in litigation before the U.S. Supreme Court. The complaint continues, citing his role in uh, in those two cases, neither of which succeeded. In doing so, Mr. Cruz moved beyond his position as a U.S. senator and sought to use more than his Twitter account and media appearances to support Mr. Trump, Mr. Trump's anti small d Democratic mission. The uh, complaint argues that Cruz ought to be sanctioned for knowingly peddling lies about election fraud as he sought to have the high court throw out the election results. Yes, as he sought to have the high court help him steal the election. Quote, Mr. Cruz knew that the allegations he was echoing had already been reviewed and rejected by courts, the complaint says, and he knew that claims of voter fraud or the election being stolen were false. Noting, as Cabrera reports, that while Cruz clearly wasn't the only lawmaker to try to steal the election on Trump's behalf, the Texas senator, quote, added the value of his law license to that effort, which makes a good point. We've talked uh, very early on about holding these uh, attorneys who helped Donald Trump in his effort to steal the election, holding them accountable. Well, Ted Cruz was not just a senator. He was also he is also an attorney. And in this case, he actually volunteered to represent these people in court at the Supreme Court. Not part of his duties as a senator, therefore not protected. 
as under the speech and debate clause. Very good. You're right. Uh, The complaint points to how other MAGA attorneys involved in sham election lawsuits have been hit with sanctions since the election, particularly ex-Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani, whose law license was suspended last year. Quote, just as Mr. Giuliani has been disciplined for his conduct, so should Mr. Cruz. The 65 Project writes... The complaint also mentions Cruz's efforts to help Trump stoke fury over the election that eventually led to the Capitol insurrection and that Cruz still objected to certifying the election result even after the attack. All in all, the GOP senator, quote, chose to offer his professional license to Mr. Trump's arsenal during the latter's assault on our democracy. The group concludes he cannot be shielded from the consequences of that decision simply because, unlike Mr. Trump's other attorneys, he happens to hold high public office. In a statement to the uh, New York Times, a Cruz spokesperson accused the 65 Project of being a, quote, far-left dark money smear machine run by a who's who of shameless Democrat hacks whose complaint, quote, won't be worth the paper it's printed on. Ouch. Well, never mind uh, the sudden offense that Cruz appears to be taking here to dark money. (laughs) That's new. Uh, Pretty much every Republican in the House or Senate's career has been built on dark money since they invented the idea of dark money Uh, loopholes in rulings like Citizens United back in 2010. Well, dark money for me, not for thee. Apparently. Uh, So setting aside the the dark money nonsense, uh, the Times notes that the 65 Project's advisory board includes one of the lawyers who was on Ken Starr's investigative team during the Clinton impeachment. Well, that sure sounds like a far-left Democrat hack. The complaint comes uh, against Cruz as other pro-Trump lawyers, in addition to Giuliani, face reckonings for weaponizing the court system to boost Trump's attack on the election. A judge in Michigan has referred Sidney Powell and the rest of the Kraken lawyers for potential disbarment. And ex-Trump legal expert coup memo mastermind John Eastman is being investigated by the state uh, state bar of California. Uh, I would also add, moreover, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. He, by the way, is running for re-election this year, even after being indicted on several securities fraud felonies, and as he is currently also being investigated for abuse of power and bribery scheme regarding personal favors to and from donors, such as a job for his mistress, as based on a criminal complaint that was filed, a federal criminal complaint filed by, I think it was seven top members of Paxton's own office. Last week, Paxton announced that he is, in fact, being sued by the Texas State Bar for misconduct over his lawsuit on behalf of Team Trump, challenging the 2020 election results in four different states in the U.S. Supreme Court, a case which was summarily dismissed. You'll recall that was the case that sought to throw out the results of the election in four different states in order to, yes, help them all steal 
the election in for other Donald words, Trump. Texas was trying to sue to throw out the results in four different states that are not Texas. That are not Texas. As if somehow there's a right to do that. Now, a few hours after uh, Paxton announced that he was being sued by the bar, his office then announced an investigation into the Texas Bar Foundation for, <laughs> quote, facilitating mass influx of illegal aliens. And yes, with all of that, Paxton is running for re-election this year as the state's chief law enforcement officer. While he uh, he won his primary race on March 1 with uh, this year with almost 43 percent of the vote, that was not enough to avoid a runoff in the Republican primary. That runoff is scheduled for next Tuesday in the Lone Star State. Uh, by the way, on the same day with primary elections uh, on Tuesday in Alabama, Arkansas, and yes, our favorite state of all, Georgia. That'll oh all be next Tuesday. <laughs> uh, Paxton will be running off on Tuesday against Texas Land Commissioner George P. Bush. Yes, the very Trumpy son of Jeb and the nephew of the super genius former president who you may have heard, but I guess you can't hear it enough, said this last night during a speech at Southern Methodist University. In contrast, Russian elections are rigged. Political opponents are imprisoned or otherwise eliminated from participating in the electoral process. The result is an absence of checks and balances in Russia and the decision of one man to launch a wholly unjustified and brutal invasion of Iraq. I mean, of Ukraine. <laughs> Iraq, too. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> 75. Uh, All right. <laughs> uh, anyway. Jesus, what a world. Yeah. And that guy, by the way, is somehow supposed to look better now because even though Republicans arguably stole both of his presidential elections... Even though most media and Democrats failed to use those words at the time to describe it, at least, at least he's not the previous guy that we had in office. So I guess somehow now he's OK. What a world uh, on that claim that the Texas Bar Association wants to facilitate a mass influx of illegal aliens as Ken Paxton Attorney General of Texas is now charging. Well, if that sounds familiar, it's either because you've been reading the manifesto written by the 18-year-old white supremacist who shot and killed 10 black people at a neighborhood grocery store last weekend in Buffalo, or you've simply been watching Fox News, or really pretty much any Republican elected official or candidate uh, who pretty much all of whom make the very same claims that the domestic terrorist in Buffalo did. AP's Steve Peoples, happily, is calling out a few of them for it this week. Several mainstream Republican Senate candidates are drawing on the so-called Great Replacement Conspiracy Theory, once confined to the far-right fringes of U.S. politics, to court voters this campaign season, promoting the baseless notion that there is a plot to diminish the influence of white people in America. You know, obviously, as the Texas Bar Association wants to do, according to indicted criminal and Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, 
In, uh, in some cases, the comments have gone largely overlooked, AP notes, given that the hardline immigration rhetoric has now become commonplace among Republicans during the Trump era. But a weekend mass shooting in Buffalo, New York, inspired by the racist theory, is drawing new attention to the GOP's growing embrace, yes, of white nationalist creed. Three weeks ago in Arizona, Republican Senate candidate Blake Masters accused Democrats of trying to flood the nation with millions of immigrants, quote, to change the demographics of our country. That is the great replacement theory. Conspiracy Uh, theory. Thank you. A few days later in Missouri... U.S. Senate hopeful Eric Schmidt, the state attorney general there, the supposedly less disgusting and corrupt candidate who was running for that GOP nomination for U.S. Senate, by the way. Uh, He said the Democrats were, quote, fundamentally trying to change this country through illegal immigration. Replacement theory. And in Ohio, Republican Senate nominee J.D. Vance accused Democrats of trying to, quote, transform the electorate. They are all doing it. He warned of an immigrant, quote, invasion and told Fox News that Democrats, quote, have decided they can't win re-election in 2022 unless they bring a large number of new voters to replace the voters that are already here. He actually used the word replace. Now, I know Vance is supposed to be uh, very, very smart because he wrote a popular novel called Hillbilly Elegy, but... Surely he knows that no matter how many new immigrants manage to come into the U.S. between now and November of 2022, none of them will suddenly become citizens eligible to vote this November. Right? He knows that, doesn't he? Surely he does. He's a smart man. He he wrote a whole book much less red one, which I don't know if uh, we can say about some of these other folks, but he knows he is using racist tropes to fearmonger in hopes of winning a seat in the U.S. Senate in Ohio. He should be held accountable for that. Some of the Republican campaigns denied that their statements amounted to replacement theory, even though in Vance's case it actually used the word replace in it. But among AP, uh, among experts uh, that AP reports here, there is little question about what they are doing. Five experts on hate speech who reviewed the Republican candidates' comments confirm they promote the baseless racist theory. Said American University professor Brian Hughes, associate director of the Polarization and Extremism Research and Innovation Lab, quote, comments like these demonstrate two essential features of great replacement conspiracy theory. They predict racial doomsday, saying that it is all part of an orchestrated master plan. The basic story they tell is the same one that we see in white supremacist chats across the Internet. An enemy is orchestrating doom for white Americans by plotting to fill the country with non-whites. There is no difference. There is no difference between what these Republican candidates for very high office are saying and what is said in white supremacist chat rooms on the Internet. 
Indeed, a mainstream interpretation of replacement theory in the U.S. baselessly suggests Democrats are encouraging immigration from Latin America so more like-minded potential voters replace so-called traditional Americans, according to Mark Pitcavage, the senior research fellow at the Anti-Defamation League Center on Extremism. Such a message has become a central component of the modern-day conservative movement's appeal to voters. Former President Donald Trump repeatedly warned of an immigrant invasion on the southern border, and he was slow to condemn white supremacy throughout his presidency. Slow to condemn? Did he ever actually condemn it at all? Shortly after taking office, AP notes, Trump shared a social media post from someone with the username White Genocide. <laughs> President Joe Biden uh, condemned replacement theory directly, on the other hand, and those who spread it after meeting with victims' uh, families Tuesday in Buffalo when he called on all Americans to reject the lie uh, of the replacement theory and said he, quote, condemned those who spread the lie for power, political gain, and for profit. Uh, but this is hardly uh, the Republican fringe that is doing this. Senate Republican leader Mitch McConnell was asked three times on Tuesday in different ways about replacement theory. If leaders have to speak out about it or uh, if he believes it or, or, or if, they, if they believe it themselves, he declined to fully respond. Three different times. He did say, quote, well, certainly the episode of this horrible episode in Buffalo is a result of a completely deranged young man who ought to suffer severe as possible penalty under the law. Because, you know, when a white guy guns down a bunch of people of any color, it is not because they are terrorists. It is because they are deranged or mentally ill. Even though, by the way, I don't believe there's any evidence that the idiot in Buffalo was suffering from any sort of mental illness, at least above and beyond that of any extremist terrorist willing to gun down his perceived enemies for some sort of political gain. That's the very definition of terrorism, by the way. But don't tell Republicans. I'll get to that in a moment. Ask about uh, <clears throat> Biden's call to reject the great replacement lie. McConnell shifted responsibility more broadly. He said, quote, racism of any sort is abhorrent in America and ought to be stood up to everybody by uh, both uh, Democrats and all Americans, he said. He stammered. So, OK, uh, but, you know, it actually kind of seems that only Republicans are the ones not standing up to it, but who are actually promoting it in these cases. In a poll released last week before the terrorist massacre in Buffalo, the AP found that about one in three Americans believe an effort is underway to replace U.S.-born Americans with immigrants for electoral gain. About three in ten also worry that more immigration is causing U.S.-born Americans to lose their economic, political, and cultural influence. In reporting on that poll, AP quoted one woman in the survey who told them, quote, I believe, I very much believe that the Democrats from Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi all the way down want to get the illegal immigrants in here and give them voting rights immediately. 
That comes from uh, 80-year-old Sally Gans, who added, Isn't it obvious that I watch Fox? (laughs) Why, yes, Sally, it is. Yeah. At least she's self-aware. She is, of course, a white Republican who said she watches the channel almost daily, including the top-rated Fox News Channel program, Tucker Carlson Tonight, Fox uh, Fox's most popular personality, Tucker Carlson, uh, has been one of the theory's biggest pro- uh, proponents. The New York Times recently reported f- on 400 instances in which he has talked about it, uh, talked about Democratic politicians and others seeking to force demographic change through immigration. But so far... At least uh, less attention has been focused on Republican candidates who are preparing to face voters in the coming weeks and months. So I'm glad that AP is now calling them out in interviews with national television and radio over the last year. Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson, who is up for reelection this November in the Badger State, has called replacement theory, quote, the Democrat grand plan. He told a Minneapolis area right wing radio host last month, I've got to believe they want to change the makeup of the electorate. Though his campaign spokesperson called these charges a, quote, lie that he supports replacement theory. Here he was on Fox News last year. This administration wants complete open borders, and you have to ask yourself why. Is it really they want to remake the demographics of America to ensure that they stay in power forever? And this week, a Wall Street Journal uh, reporter asked Senator Johnson about the great replacement theory, who said, quote, I've never even heard of it. I don't know what they're talking about. You're just making this. They're just making this crap up, he said. But of course, here he was, uh, (laughs) Senator Ron Johnson, just this month on a Colorado radio program. They want to let a lot of people in. They want to let him in. They, They want to get credit as Democrats for letting a bunch of people into this country illegally, and they can basically remake the electorate so they establish themselves in permanent power as a one-party state so they can complete their fundamental transformation, in other words, their fundamental destruction of this country. So they want to remake the electorate, a fundamental destruction of the country, a one-party system, that is the replacement conspiracy theory. Uh, Keep that in mind, please, Wisconsin voters. In Missouri, uh, at least two Republicans vying for the Republican Senate nomination. I already mentioned one of them. Attorney General Eric Schmidt have made similar statements more recently. Uh, While touring the U.S.-Mexico border last month, the other one, former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens, I believe he's the front runner, by the way. He, uh, in case you forgot, Uh, people in Missouri and elsewhere. Eric Greitens was governor, but he had to resign in disgrace because of several scandals, one of which included having tied up his mistress in his basement, taking off her clothes and taking photographs of her in order to blackmail her. And more recently, just a few weeks ago, he was accused by his ex-wife of abuse of both her and their two children. That guy, that guy warned that immigrants crossing over illegally were, quote, flooding into all of the 50 states, and that includes Missouri. Frankly, I would be more concerned that Eric Greitens is in Missouri than I would that any immigrant is coming in. Immigrants who, by the way, have much lower crime rates than Americans like Eric Greitens. 
Anyway, he went on to add, quote, what's also very clear here is that Joe Biden's policies are an assault on the entire idea of America. And if anyone knows about assault. No. Yes. So you see what they're doing here? The shooter in Buffalo certainly did. Greitens said, quote, he's about Joe Biden. He's wiping out the distinction between citizens and non-citizens, and he's doing it on purpose. Not to be outdone, a week later, uh, Schmidt, Greitens' rival, claimed that tens of millions of immigrants were crossing into the U.S. illegally. He said Democrats were intentionally encouraging illegal immigration for their own benefit. Quote, they are fundamentally trying to change this country through their illegal immigration policy, Schmidt told the disgraced former Fox News host Glenn Beck. They are all doing it. They are saying the same words. They are saying the exact same thing. They are saying the very thing that was in the manifesto of the shooter in Buffalo. Arizona Senate Republican Senate candidate Blake Masters said, quote, obviously the Democrats hope to change the demographics of our country. They hope to import an entirely new electorate. And then they call you a racist and a bigot. Well, perhaps because you are a racist and a bigot, Mr. Masters. Just a thought. Uh, then there's J.D. Vance again. He's already secured uh, the nomination in Ohio uh, to be the Republican nominee for the U.S. Senate with Trump's endorsement. He told Breitbart News just last month the Democrats, quote, are trying to transform the electorate of this country. He made similar comments days later in Ohio in Portsmouth. Now, of course, Vance said, you're accused of being a racist to even point this out. We get to decide, the people get to decide how we do or do not transform the country. Well, in theory, the people get to decide. We will see. They certainly don't get to decide in the gerrymandered uh, U.S. House. But while these guys, uh, especially now, are careful not to use the actual word replacement anymore... Vance used that. I'm sure some of them will forget and start using it again. Uh, but I would urge you to pay, pay very close attention uh, to the claims that these people are making, because whether they actually say the word replacement or not, the bigots and racists who who vote for them certainly hear those words. As I said at the top, words and framing matter. So, yeah, while all of these, uh, yes, racist and bigoted candidates quoted in AP's article either refused to comment in response or they had a spokesperson deny on their behalf that they believed in great replacement theory or even knew anything about it. You know, the theory that they were actually espousing with their own words as, you know, actions as an elected official end up speaking even louder than words. Late on Wednesday, the U.S. House passed legislation, the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act, in hopes of bolstering federal resources to prevent domestic terrorism in response to the racist mass shooting in Buffalo, New York. For all of the terrorism laws enacted in this country, especially after 9-11, almost none of them actually deal with domestic homegrown terrorism, particularly the most common type, far-right white supremacy, which means the U.S. has shockingly few uh, resources. Law enforcement has shockingly few resources 
and options to deal with this increasingly huge problem. Thus, the new law passed by the U.S. House on Wednesday in an almost entirely party-line vote. 222 to 203. Yes, 203 Republicans voted against more resources to combat white supremacy and other forms of domestic terrorism even after the two mass shootings over the weekend. Remember, there was another one in a church out here in South, uh, Southern California. Congressman Adam Kinzinger of Illinois was the only Republican to vote in favor of the measure. Correct. Not Liz Cheney. Support of the House bill, uh, supporters of the House bill says it will fill the gaps in intelligence sharing among the DOJ, the Department of Homeland Security and the FBI so officials can better track and respond to the growing threat of white extremist terrorism under current law. Those three federal agencies, they already work to investigate, prevent and prosecute acts of domestic terrorism. But the bill would require each agency to open offices specifically dedicated to those tasks and create an interagency task force to combat the infiltration of white supremacy, specifically in the military. The CBO, the Congressional Budget Office estimates the bill would cost a little over $100 million over five years. So that's a pittance. It's about $20 million per year for all three agencies, with most of the money going to hiring staff. Senator Dick Durbin of Illinois, who is sponsoring an identical bill in the Senate, said, quote, as we took 9-11 seriously, we need to take this seriously. This is a domestic form of the same terrorism that killed the innocent people of New York City and now this assault in Buffalo and many other places. But the legislative effort by Democrats, as it turns out, is not new. The House passed a similar measure back in 2020, and since lawmakers lack the support in the Senate to move forward with any sort of gun safety legislation to try to help prevent mass shootings... Because in the Senate, it requires 60 votes to overcome a filibuster in the very undemocratic upper chamber. Uh, Democrats are instead trying to put their efforts into a broader federal focus on domestic terrorism. We in Congress can't stop the likes of Tucker Carlson from spewing hateful, dangerous replacement theory ideology across the airwaves, said Congressman Brad Schneider, Democrat of Illinois. He first introduced this measure in 2017. Congress hasn't been able to ban the sale of assault weapons, he said. The Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act is what Congress can do this week to prevent future Buffalo shootings. But all the Republicans are against it. Nonetheless, it passed, thanks to Democrats. And now Senate Democrats pledge to bring the bill up for a vote next week. Its prospects, however, remain uncertain. Republicans opposed to bolstering the power of the Justice Department in domestic surveillance are likely to try to block it. Now, do you suppose they would be against that if it was surveillance of Muslim terrorists? Of course not. How about if it was surveillance of uh, BLM, Black Lives Matter? Would they be against it? Of course not. Uh, and here they're claiming to be against it because they say the bill does not place enough emphasis on combating domestic terrorism committed by groups on the far left, whoever they are. Under the bill, agencies would be required to produce a joint report every six months assessing 
uh, and quantifying domestic terrorism threats nationally, including threats posed by white supremacists and neo-Nazi groups. Though nothing prevents any of this from detailing any domestic terror threat. So, yes, groups on the far left, if that came up, they could detail it. So basically, Republicans are just finding reasons to prevent the government from paying too close attention to folks who Republicans clearly believe are their own base of voters. They did not try to change the wording here to to do that. They just voted against it. Every single one of them, except for Adam Kinzinger in the U.S. House. The divergence uh, between the parties highlights the stubborn gap between Democrats and Republicans over domestic terrorism in the U.S. and how it should be defined and prosecuted. For decades, terrorism has been consistently tied with attacks only from foreign actors, but as homegrown terrorism, often perpetuated by white men, has flourished over the past two decades. Democratic lawmakers have sought to clarify it in federal statute, but they have been blocked time and time again. Republican lawmakers have sought to prevent them from doing so because, of course, they are running on the very things that help kindle those homegrown domestic terrorist threats. I've said many times uh, that uh, this year it is democracy on the ballot versus violent strongman authoritarianism. This matter, uh, the inability of the entire Republican Party to make it even, you know, slightly easier for law enforcement to track domestic terrorism before it results in a mass shooting. Their refusal to do that should be yet another reminder of all of this. I am not a Democrat, and I'm very critical, for example, of all the money that was spent. Yes, dark money that was spent in this past week's primary elections by establishment Democrats to uh, block out, prevent progressive Democrats from winning nominations. I think it's appalling. In some cases that worked uh, this week. In other cases it didn't. But if it's a choice... If given the choice in November between those who want to blatantly steal elections, as the Republican Party attempted to do in 2020, or people who want to lie to Americans about an invasion of people of color coming to rob them of their American birthright, well, it'll be a whole bunch of very easy choices on the ballot this November. Keep that in mind. All of this. All of this. I know we always say that uh, this is the most important election of our lifetimes, but boy, howdy, is it this November. All right, let's take a quick break here. A few more thoughts about November and Desi Doyen's Green News Report, which is always a delight. (laughs) Nothing but fun and good news. That's all straight ahead on today's broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks.
You know, some would say that we're in big trouble if we're counting on young Americans to save us. Some <laughs> cynics might say that. I am not one of those cynics. I'm not one of those cynics either. I mean, I know it's difficult to get young Americans out to vote, but I think, uh, I think, I hope that maybe they'll pay attention this time. Yeah, I think there's enough going on that, well, uh, they certainly should. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. The uh, on uh, on on uh, Thursday, Oklahoma lawmakers passed a bill that would ban nearly all abortions in the state, starting at fertilization, which would make it the nation's strictest abortion law. It would also, in theory, make certain forms of birth control, which don't, for example, prevent fertilization, but prevent implantation of the fertilized egg would uh, apparently make that a form of abortion in this in Oklahoma, which in turn would make those forms of contraception like the use of IUDs or even the pill or even the Plan B pill unlawful, I guess. And by uh, just connecting the dots lead to murder charges for those who use them and, you know, successfully end a pregnancy as these idiots in Oklahoma see it, you know, by using the pill or IUD. That is where all of this is going if the Supreme Court, as expected, ends 50 years of freedom of bodily autonomy for women uh, when they overturn Roe v. Wade to allow big government once again to come between you and your doctor. That is what they want. That is what Republicans want, even though they, uh, when, you know, they pretended to oppose that during their fight against giving millions access to health care at all with Obamacare. But that is what we are all about to get. And it's ticking off a lot of people, in particular young people and, yes, a lot of women. I don't know that this seems like a particularly good election year strategy, but OK. Even before the Supreme Court leak earlier this month revealed the uh, GOP's stolen and packed majority plan at the Supreme Court to overturn Roe v. Wade, a new Harvard youth poll found that young voters were already very engaged in this year's elections. As uh, noted by The Hill at the end of last month, young voters are set to match to match 2018's record breaking turnout for the 2022 midterms. That have otherwise been predicted by many to be a tough contest for Democrats. That, according to a new Harvard youth poll in the poll, 36 percent of young people said they would be definite, quote, definitely voting in the 2022 elections. And while 36 percent does not seem like a lot back in 2018, which was a blue wave year for Democrats and, and progressives, 37 percent said the same thing. So, you know, and that, by the way, was before the news out of the Supreme Court. So this does not seem to go along with the conventional wisdom, uh, does it? Just one of the reasons I keep telling you to ignore the so-called conventional wisdom in these decidedly unconventional times. A high turnout of young voters could be beneficial for Democrats as younger Americans tend to lean more towards the Democratic Party. The Hill notes the poll found 55 percent of likely young voters would like Democrats to be in control of Congress, while only 34 percent want to see Republicans in charge. However, 
Harvard said there is concern that enthusiasm could taper off in the upcoming months as young people have a more pessimistic view of voting now than they did in 2018, according to one of the polls questions. But again, all of that uh, seemingly good news for Democrats when it comes to young voters happened before it became clear that Roe was almost certain to be overturned entirely this year and before states began passing these laws that could very well result result in even birth control being outlawed uh, outlawed by the government, even in deep red states like Wyoming. The, the type of crap that might be mother's milk for older white Republican voters on Fox News does not go over well for young Americans. As Gabe Ortiz notes at Daily Coast, it's not clear that Wyoming's Republican Senator Cynthia Loomis was, was expecting what she was expecting when she decided to go transphobic during a commencement speech at the University of Wyoming last weekend, but she was clearly taken aback by the resounding booing she got in response in Wyoming. Even fundamental scientific truths, such as the existence of two sexes, male and female, are subject to challenge these days. You know, I, I... And I challenge those of you... I'm not making a comment on the fact that there are people who transition between sexes. <laughs> I personally question how under our Constitution we could forbid in-person worship services during a pandemic while labeling liquor stores as essential and okay, keeping them Okay, so then yeah. she, she went on. She, she just gave pretended up. like it never happened. She, well, she was, she was going to try to respond and then decided better of it. Probably smart. Yes. The Wyoming Tribune-Eagle reports that uh, Loomis claimed, quote, her intention with the reference to the two sexes was to highlight the times residents live in where the Quote, metric of biological sex is under debate with potential implications for the shared Wyoming value of equality or something. By the end of the weekend, her office just said sort of issued a kind of apology with the spokesperson noting that uh, she was apologizing to those who felt, quote, unwelcomed or disrespected by the comments. Uh, the uh, University of Wyoming president issued a, uh, a statement on the same day. Uh, basically was horrified by uh, the comments that the senator made. Uh, this is the uh, same college. Oh, and the Blade reports, by the way, that um, a professor at the university, Dr. Jenny Tabler, had tweeted that they'd recently lost a trans student to suicide mm. at that university. Also, Matthew Shepard. The gay man who was brutally beaten and left to die on a fence post nearly 25 years ago, he had also been a University of Wyoming student. His murder helped lead to the uh, historic passage of the Matthew Shepard and James Byrd Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act. James Byrd was a black man who was horrifically murdered by a gang of white men. Yes, domestic terrorism who tied him to a truck and dragged him for miles. 
As Ortiz at Daily Coast observes, Loomis made the unprompted remark because Republicans in other states are currently waging a campaign against the very existence of LGBTQ children. He notes that in light of the right-wing Supreme Court's draft forced birth decision, the future now of even marriage equality is no longer secure. And if this issue is, quote, under debate, he notes it's because Republicans have forced that debate. But yeah, know your audience, Cynthia, even in Wyoming. As one Coast commenter suggested, if students are booing hate in Wyoming, then just imagine. As to the Supreme Court ruling, apparently uh, it, too, is wildly unpopular uh, with really everyone. There were, of course, uh, huge demonstrations over the past weekend in nearly 400 cities, though they were barely covered, sadly, by our corporate media. But new polling seems to bear all of this out. Uh, Support for abortion rights has reached a record high. And nearly two-thirds of Americans oppose the U.S. Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade, according to a new national NBC News poll conducted after the leak of the draft opinion that would strike down the constitutional right. What's more, the survey finds abortion climbing up the list of issues that Americans believe are the most important and that Democratic interest in the upcoming midterms has increased since earlier This year, according to the poll, a combined 60 percent of Americans say abortion should be either always legal or legal most of the time. The highest share believing that it should be legal on this question, which dates back in the NBC poll to 2003. By contrast, a combined 37 percent say abortion should be illegal. Either with exceptions, 32 percent believe in there should be you know, exceptions for rape, incest and so forth, uh, or without exceptions. Just 5 percent of the American electorate believe that. Just a couple of uh, one more uh, one or two quick points else from this uh, same NBC poll. The percentage of Americans supporting same sex marriage has jumped to an all time high in the survey. 65 percent favorite. That's up from 60 percent back in 2017. So that's just getting more popular. Just 33 percent say American society has gone too far in accepting transgender people, while 35 percent say it hasn't gone far enough. And 25 percent say it's reached a reasonable balance. And the net positive negative rating for attitudes about the U.S. Supreme Court is at its all time lowest point in this poll. Since 1992, which may have been uh, when they first began asking that question. Uh, In any event, it's at least at a 30 year low in this poll for whatever that's worth. Unconventional times indeed. Quick break and Green News Report is next on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. The Bradcast and the Green News Report are 100% independent, 100% listener supported. But we can't do it alone. We need you. Please help us bring real facts to listeners at independent stations around the nation. Please drop by bradblog.com/donate. That's bradblog.com/donate. And thanks. So, 
just as I had actually helped myself feel a little bit better about everything that's going on. Now it's time for the Green News Report to help take care of that. Indeed. Here it is, our latest Green News Report. Today's State of the Climate Report is a dismal litany of humanity's failure to tackle climate disruption. UN warns four key climate change indicators broke new records in 2021. Cutting air pollution from fossil fuels would save 50,000 lives a year, study finds. Plus, forest officials are concerned that with the dry conditions, visitors may become trapped if a fire does break out. National forests forced to close as wildfires rage. All of that raging and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. And you know what those liberals will do with their powerful permanent majority? Beg Joe Manchin for paid family leave, then he doesn't vote for it, say, oh, okay then, what if we fed coal directly to dolphins? Yep, that'll do it. This is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, not a good sign for these wildfires this season. No, it is not. Due to an outbreak of severe early season wildfires in New Mexico and southern Colorado, federal officials announced this week that the Santa Fe National Forest, as well as two other national forests, will close in the height of tourist season because the danger of a catastrophic fire is just too great. Mm. Globally, four key climate change indicators set new records in 2021. The United Nations Weather Agency announced on Wednesday greenhouse gas emissions, sea level rise, ocean heat, and ocean acidification, all critical climate indicators, reached new levels in 2021, all clear signs of humanity's impact on the planet. That's according to the UN World Meteorological Organization's annual State of the Global Climate Report out this week. The report warned that extreme weather disasters wreaked a heavy toll on human lives and cost hundreds of billions of dollars in economic losses last year. It confirmed that the past seven years have been the hottest on record since the 1880s. Global sea levels reached a new record high, rising at double the previous rate. Ocean heat also hit a new record high. And because the oceans absorb about a quarter of humanity's rising carbon emissions, the report also found that oceans are are now more acidic than they've been in at least 26,000 years, harming marine life. That's a whole lot of not very good news. United Nations Secretary General Antonio Guterres urged governments to move faster to end the use of polluting fossil fuels that are causing the climate crisis. The global energy system is broken and bringing us ever closer to climate catastrophe. Fossil fuels are a dead end, environmentally and economically. The only sustainable future is a renewable one. The good news is that the lifeline is right in front of us. Renewable energy technologies such as wind and solar are readily available and in most cases cheaper than coal and other fossil fuels. If we act together, the renewable energy transformation can be the peace project of the 21st century. It's that if we act together part that I'm kind of worried about. Yeah. 
Another clear sign of humanity's impact on the planet, a new study by the Lancet Planetary Health Journal shows that pollution of all types continues to be the largest environmental health threat around the world. Air pollution, water pollution, and toxic chemical pollution were responsible for about one out of every six deaths globally between 2015 and 2019. The death toll attributed to dirty pollution has risen 55% since the year 2000, the study found. The vast majority of deaths from pollution were in developing countries. On the upside, think of all those billionaires who are making billions and billions of dollars from it. A different study finds that cutting air pollution from fossil fuels in the United States alone would save 50,000 lives every year. And cutting fossil fuel air pollution would also provide economic benefits, saving more than $600 billion every year in public health costs. Yeah, but not for those billionaires. And not for the 17 Republican state attorneys general who are now suing the Environmental Protection Agency over its decision to restore a waiver allowing California to set tougher tailpipe emissions standards than the federal government. California's tailpipe emissions laws have improved mileage standards and air quality for residents nationwide. But some good news. Thank you. Michael Bloomberg, the billionaire former mayor of New York City, announced he is launching a $240 million new initiative to deploy clean energy in 10 developing countries to combat climate change, working with nonprofit organizations to develop plans with local and national governments. Okay, I take back some of what I said about those billionaires, at least this one, at least in this one short moment. In a statement, Bloomberg noted that more than 750 million people around the world lack access to electricity, saying, quote, we have a unique opportunity to drive that energy source being renewable from the start instead of going back again in another 30 years. So there's that. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. Get it right the first time, that's the main thing. Oh, I can't afford to let it pass. There you go. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Indeed. Get it right. And my thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program, download it for free anytime at bradblog.com, all of which is made possible by... Those of you listeners who stop by bradblog.com slash donate, we rely only on you to stay on your public airwaves. We always appreciate your help. Bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, you will find me at the Bradblog. I will see you at all of the above. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. La, 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 la.